really glad you guys are here. It's going to be a good night tonight. Um, to catch everybody up to speed, we have been in the book of Philippians. And so if you want to go ahead and start flipping there, that's where we're going to be tonight in uh, Philippians chapter 2. And uh, let me give you a little bit of context. Um, this is a letter uh, from the Apostle Paul to the church in the city of Philippi. It's a very influential city. Uh, therefore, this church has a lot of great possibilities. Uh, it's a church that he started about 10 years prior to penning this letter. If you want to read it uh, about, about the start of the church, you go to Acts chapter 16. I would definitely encourage you to do, to do that if you haven't done that already. Uh, these Christians are dear friends uh, to the Apostle Paul. Chapter 1, if you read that, it, it shows us that he deeply loves these guys. He longs to be with these guys. He misses them. Uh, he delights at every good report that he gets of, of these guys. And, and really the relationship goes both ways. They love him. They're supporting him. They're supporting his ministry. And they respect him and they seek his counsel. And uh, he's, he's kind of a pastor to these guys. And so they love him dearly. And so currently as he's writing this letter, uh, he's in chains in Rome for sharing Jesus uh, boldly. And so uh, on the surface, this guy has every reason imaginable to be miserable. He's in chains. He's struggling to be fed. Um, you can imagine, maybe you put yourself in his position here. Uh, you do exactly what God tells you to do, and what do you get as a result? You get thrown in jail. And so that's where this guy is at right now. But for some reason, he is just full of joy, and the great theme of this letter is joy. And so what we've kind of determined along the way throughout this series is that our joy is not contingent upon our circumstances because our joy is in the Lord. And so our, our circumstances are ever-changing, but our joy doesn't have to be because our joy is not in our circumstance. Our joy is in the Lord. And uh, joy is uh, all over this guy, Paul. His joy is just unshakable because it is rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ and not his circumstance. And so tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to label tonight's message uh, unconventional joy in faithfulness, and it's going to be a two-part, so we're going to do tonight, and then we're going to continue on with the, the second half that Jacob read uh, next week, so a two-part, unconventional joy in faithfulness, so we can have joy in the midst of faithfulness to the Lord, and so for, for you, you're in here, you're a Christian, and you're pressing on in the race, seeking to be faithful, this message is for you, if you're in here, or you're listening to this, and, and you're not a follower of Jesus, and you don't quite understand why Christians can be so joyful when things are really difficult. Well, this message is for you as well. And uh, why don't we pray and, and ask God to, to bless our time as we get into this uh, very important topic. So let's pray. God, we, we thank you that we hold in our hands the very word of God. And I pray that we would see it as, as just that, that we would see it as the very uh, breathed out words of God that are applicable and living, and active, and sharper than any double-edged sword. And so, God, I pray that um, tonight uh, you would use it to stir us, you would use it to, to, to comfort us where we need comfort, uh, Lord, that you would spur us on with it. And so, uh, Lord, use it however you see fit. Lord, we thank you for uh, all that is, 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 is seen in, in the text that we're going to look at. I pray that it would just be powerful tonight. And so we commit it to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, we're going to start in, in chapter 2, verse 12. We're going to pick up where Ryan left off last week. So thanks a lot for that, Ryan. That was great. Um, the, the first word here 
is the word uh, therefore. Let's, let's read verse 12. I, I want us to see this. Uh, verse 12 again. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so we start with this word, uh, therefore. And it's so important for us to see um, that, that this word is, is so significant. It is so important for where we're going tonight, for, for what God has for us tonight. Uh, we need to understand that, that, that what we're going to look at tonight is, is really clear in light of these preceding verses where Ryan took us last week. And those preceding verses speak on the uncomparable humility of, of the Lord Jesus Christ who stepped out of heaven, left glories in heaven to become a man, to, to, to live among us, to sacrificially serve and to serve to the point of death. And then to add emphasis, uh, uh, chapter 2 will tell us earlier on, uh, to, to go to death, but even death on the cross. So not just death, but the most brutal death uh, imaginable. And then the passage doesn't stop there. It says that then he he is highly exalted by God the Father, and, and now at his name, it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is huge. This is a huge therefore in light of all of that. So this is not just the therefore of our passage tonight. This is the therefore of our lives. Our lives are in light of, of all of that. How can anything be the same again in light of the, the humility of, of Jesus to that extreme, and then the exaltation of Jesus. How can our lives ever be the same again? It just baffles me how how Christians can say we follow Jesus and then just kind of live a, a mediocre faith, just kind of half-hearted in their in their 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 faith. We should be living our lives in light of the fact that God in heaven came to earth, became one of us. He knows our pain. He knows your your trials. He knows every temptation that you face, yet he is victorious over it all in that he was completely sinless. And even still, though he was sinless, he dies uh, a sinner's death in our place so that if we will trust him, so that we will place faith in him, we will be saved from the wrath of God in heaven. This is huge. And now, uh, understand, uh, as Ryan walked us through last week, chapter 2, 10 and 11 says that all will bow, right? All will bow. It's, it's really a question of when will you bow? Will you bow on this side of heaven or will you bow when it's too late? Therefore, we get into tonight, therefore I will bow and I will live for him today. That's a, that's a big therefore uh, that, that segues into our passage tonight. Uh, let's look at verse 12a. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. So, let's, let's hang out here for a little while. Therefore, and then we hear our, our favorite word, therefore, obey. You love that word, don't you? You love that, that word. Remember when, uh, when my son Isaiah, he's now five, uh, was, was a little guy just starting to talk. And, and there's this one word that he just loved for whatever reason. He used it uh, quite a bit, and it was the word obey. And, and whenever he was... Uh, doing something wrong for just kind of this little season of his life. He's doing something wrong, and he knew it was something that he was going to be disciplined for. He would just start moaning the word, obey, 
obey, just this little guy, obey, obey. And, and, and so uh, he would just immediately do it when he did something that he knew he was going to be disciplined for. Uh, an example would be um, we had the, this set of stairs in our old house that, that we just told him, don't go up those stairs. And, and so we'd be hanging out, and all of a sudden you'd hear coming from up at the top of the stairs, obey, oh. So, okay, he broke the rules, he's up there, and he realizes, and now he's, I guess he's repenting, but obey, I didn't obey, and uh, it, was, it was awesome, and I think maybe that's how many, many of us kind of feel about that word, right? Obey, why? I, I don't, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a word that, that for, for most people is not our, our favorite word. However, I want us to, to understand that it is a good word. It, it, is a, it is a good word, and here's why. It's coupled here with the word beloved. Let's, let's be reminded that in the, in the Bible, when God calls for us to obey, it is not a power play. It is a love play. I, I'm calling you to obey because I love you. God commands us to, to obey because he, he wants, to, wants to help us. He, he loves us. He, he cares for us. Just like I as a father have rules for my children because I love them and I want to care for them and I want to protect them and I want to put them in the direction, the trajectory of a successful life. And so I have rules for them. Yet in our, our human nature, in our flesh, we really struggle with the word obey. We struggle with authority. We, we like to fight against authority because we want our way, right? Yet last week, as we saw earlier in chapter 2, uh, that we are not to be marked by uh, self-centeredness and vain conceit, right? But we are to be marked by, uh, let's, let's let somebody else be in charge. Let's, let's humble ourselves and give it over to uh, the Lord. And yet our human nature says, I want my way. But we need to understand that, that one of the worst things that God could do for us is, is give us what we want all the time, right? That, that would be not good if he gave me everything that I wanted. Um, so I trust that God is a little bit wiser. He's a little bit more experienced. I, I trust that, that he's got better uh, big picture vision than I do, and so we, we trust him, right? We, we trust him. Our way is not often uh, the best way. Proverbs fourteen twelve uh, says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads to, you know what, to death. <laughs> and so it might seem right, but it, it could lead to death, and God's way is right always, and so we trust him. We trust him in his, his word, and, and for the Christian, he is our loving and, and perfect Father, and so your obedience to him leads to your good. Hear that again? Your obedience to God always leads to your good. And so I think it's, it's safe for, for me to say that probably for, for many of us in here this afternoon, maybe God is calling you to obey in some specific areas of your life. And, and it's probably safe to say that for many of us, we are resisting in that area. That is an area that I'm not ready to let go of God. I'm not ready to obey. But I want you to hear this. You are his beloved. And so he's calling you to obey with a deep love for you. And Paul is calling the Philippians to obey, yet God, through Paul, is calling us to obey as well. And Paul says to the Philippians, what does he say? Look down. He says, you are my beloved, and you have obeyed me when I was with you, but now I'm absent. Now I'm not with you, and I'm calling you to continued obedience, to obey without me being present. When I was in high school, I was a, I was a cross-country runner. If you don't know what that is, that's like 5K, 
race, 3.1 mile, uh, usually in the woods. And so I did that um, during the fall of every year through high school. And I had this really loud, obnoxious coach who would just scream at us, go, guys, go, go, high-pitched high voice. And uh, we, would, we would, you know, in the fall during practice, we would do drills around the track and sprints and, and 800s and all kinds of different uh, drills going around. And then he would take us out into the woods, and we'd run up and down trails and through mud pits and all kinds of goofy stuff. And I'll never forget this one practice where Coach Coleman said, all right, guys, the end of the practice is, so tomorrow uh, I'm not going to be here. I want you guys to show up. I want you to, to meet down in the bleachers. And uh, I'm not going to be here because I've got to take my wife to go do something or another. And uh, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. Do this drill. And then when you get all those done, you're done and you can go home. So next day we all rally around at the, the bleachers. And guess what we did as a team? Nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. We took a, we took a day off. And uh, unfortunately, though, the, the track where we met up, the bleachers right there, uh, is around the football field where the football team in the fall is having their practice. And apparently the coach knew some of the other coaches on the, uh, the football team, go figure, right? And so they, they chatted, and the next day rolls around, and we meet back up for practice. Coach is there, and we just got completely ripped into because apparently he communicated with the football coaches and found out that we did uh, nothing, nothing, right? And he couldn't trust us in our, in our absence. And, and for Paul, he's saying, I'm absent. Um, but, but I want to I encourage you to press on. I want to encourage you uh, to, to live for, for Christ. I, I want to be able to trust you that you're going you're gonna to be faithful even though I'm, I'm not there. Um, see, when Paul was there with them, he could challenge them daily as, as the guy, the pastor for them. It was the, the missionary who started the church there in Philippi. They, he, he could be with them daily. He could go house to house with them. He could meet with them, maybe not for coffee at Starbucks, but maybe at I don't know where they go. The sandbox. That was a lame joke. That was really bad. Whatever they're doing. Uh, I was like coming out of my mouth and I couldn't pull it back, but it just, it came out. Uh, whatever, you know, Paul met with them. He could exhort them. He could encourage them, right? And that was really bad. Um, I can't get over it. Listen, now he's, now he's away in prison. He's away in prison and he's calling them to continue on in his absence to be, to be faithful, to be able to stimulate yourself towards faithfulness, though I'm not there over your shoulder. And for me as a pastor, I, I feel like I can really relate with Paul uh, in this. You know, as a, as a pastor, and even for some of you guys who are Christian leaders in some capacity, it's really important for us when we, we, we see a, a person come to faith in Jesus to hold their hand and, and walk through their, the, the early stages of their faith with them. It's, it's very important. But understand that eventually uh, a Christian has to begin to walk on on his or her own two feet. However, uh, in my history as a, as a pastor, uh, in my ministry, not just you guys, but moving way back, my history has been throughout the span of, of my ministry is that it seems like so many Christians just can't start to walk on their own two feet. They need somebody holding their hand the entire time. And so they need somebody with them. They need somebody feeding them. And so if it's, if it's not here or maybe in a midweek small group, they're not opening their Bible on their own time. They can't they can't seem to find victory over temptation unless somebody is every day on top of them, on top of them. And, 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 and we have to grow up and begin to feed ourselves. We have to walk on our own two feet. Uh, spiritually, we have to, as he says here, we have to be able to work out our, our own salvation. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and, and trim, trembling. And, 
and, and I want to maybe emphasize a couple words in, in this before we get into the rest of this, but, but can you say that your salvation is really your own salvation? What I mean by that is, is can you say that you really own it? Like you have ownership of this thing. Right? I'm growing up in it. This is mine. I'm on my own two feet. I'm, I'm walking faithfully uh, with, with the Lord. Without somebody looking over my shoulder, I would still pursue God. Is that you? And, and if not, uh, I just pray that, that God will really encourage you and stir you uh, in this tonight. And I, I, I want to be careful here. Don't, don't get me wrong. Our, our Christian faith is meant to be lived out in community. You know that I'm a big advocate of that. We spent a lot of time looking through that over the past uh, year or so. Um, it's meant to be lived out in, in community. But if somebody's not on you, 24-7 on you, are you going to be faithful uh, to the Lord? Are you at a place where your, your faith can be self-stimulated? Maybe a better way of saying it is Holy Spirit stimulated between you and, and the Lord. And if not, what does that say about our faith? Right? I, I'm afraid that for, for so many, we, we can kind of be guilty of the same kind of deal of, uh, of the, the Pharisees where, where, where these guys honored the Lord only when other people were present, right? They were honoring the Lord when other people were looking on. But when other people aren't looking on, their faith's kind of a, a different thing. And so what does that say about us? It says that our faith is, is not out to please God, but it's out to please other people. And, and so Paul says, listen, I, I, I want to call you to obey, not just when I'm present, but even now when I'm, when I'm absent. I want you to be stimulated in your own faith even when I'm absent, you and the Holy Spirit. And so he says, I'm calling you, second half of verse 12, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, even when I'm not with you. Now, what, what is this, to work out your own salvation? What in the world does that mean? Maybe you've heard it before, but you kind of just not really spend a lot of time there working out our own salvation. I want to be careful. I, I want to make sure that we're not confused on this, that we do not earn our salvation. I think Paul makes that very clear in Ephesians 2, uh, 8 and 9. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and, and not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. And so it's not it's not us who earn it, it's God who did it all, and he gave it to us as a gift of his grace. And you have been saved from the grip of Satan's sin and death by grace, which means you didn't earn it, it was, it was a gift of God. And so then, understanding that, what does it mean when he calls us to work out our salvation? He doesn't say work for your salvation, you don't earn it, he says work out your salvation. Here, here's what that basically, let me just be real simple with it, means. It means uh, if you've truly been saved by Jesus, your, your salvation needs to perform. Your salvation needs to display. God has began that good work in us as we looked in chapter 1, verse 5. Paul's saying, show me, flex it, work it out, right? And, and listen, a, a Christian, our lives should be marked by, by faithfulness to God. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. But it, it means that, that we have been given new life in Christ. We are a new creature. Our desires are different. We're living differently. And so we're working out our salvation. It is, it, it's showing. And notice that he says, work it out with fear and trembling. What this is speaking to is our attitude towards God. We need to understand uh, with, with humility that we have this complete and utter need 
for God. Even in our working out of our own salvation, we have a complete and utter need for God. I I want you to hear that again. Even in our working out of our own salvation, we have an utter need for God. See, I I think a lot of Christians kind of see salvation as as this. Okay, God got me out of hell. And now I'm kind of on my own, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my thing and try to live a life of faithfulness on my own. Wrong. That's, that's not how it works. Paul clarifies uh, here, and he says, God helps you through the end. Look at, verse, look at verse 13 now. Let's read it. Verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So this is, this is, this is really good. So we need to live lives of faithfulness, but we also need to understand that it is God who is enabling us to live lives of faithfulness. He, he uses these two words that I think are very, very important. He says, uh, will and work. You might even want to write those down and just really focus on those for a minute here. Will and work. See, for Christians, uh, he, he's saying that, that God is doing a work in your heart that then will enable you to will and to work for his good pleasure or for his purposes, that, that he delights in those things. And, and so here's what he's teaching, that with every action that we make in our lives, there are really two components of, of those actions. There's the action of the will and there is the work. You get that? With every action, there's the will and the, the work. Uh, John Calvin, a great theologian, says uh, this way. It's, we have the inclination and we have uh, the power to carry it into uh, effect and understand that both of those both of those are gifts from uh, the Lord and so every spiritual step of progress that you're making understand that it is because of God and it is because God his holy spirit has implanted in you the will or the desire to honor him and he has implanted in you the work or the ability to to do it now let's be very careful here because some people can hear that and, and say, well, then that just alleviates human responsibility. I can just kind of wipe my hands and do nothing. I can just sit back and say, you know what? I'll, I'll let God do it all. I'll just chill, and I'm not responsible. I want us to understand that, that, that what this is kind of really showing us is that God unlocks the potential for us. He unlocks the potential, and then he expects for us to take action and live for him. And, and, and this, this word work here in the original language uh, where it says God works in you is uh, energeo. And it, it means that God energizes you or God enables you. Uh, but we've got to do our part. So, so God enables you to have the will. He gives you the desire and he enables you for the, the, the work. He has energized you. He has enabled you. He has unlocked it in you, the ability to will and to work for his good uh, pleasure. So that's why you, uh, throughout the course of your life, maybe you've been trying to talk to a friend or someone about Jesus, and maybe you've been uh, just, just praying, for, and just you look at this person, it's like they have zero, zero desire to please the Lord. Well, it's because they're not God's child yet. God has not enabled them to will and to work for his good purpose, but for us as Christians, he has. He has unlocked it in us, and and, and, and we, need to, we need to get that, that he has unlocked that in us. And, and now it's, it's important uh, for us to understand that it is our responsibility. He's enabled it. He's unlocked it. It's our responsibility to do something with it, right? Um, I kind of see it like a, like a car. Um, a, a while back, I think it was maybe early fall or late summer, um, I, I was 
being a responsible dad, hanging out with my kids, and um, I was watching the kids, and all of a sudden I just realized, wow, the house is very, very silent right now. And if, if you've ever been in my home or you just you kind of know three-year-old and five-year-old boys, it's a very rare occurrence, and so something's wrong. <laughs> the house is silent, so I started looking around, and I, my wife was out shopping or something, grocery shopping, and uh, I look around, I couldn't find him anywhere, and then suddenly panic mode, I, I go outside, and I'm like, where, where are they? And I look around, and they're in the car, right? And so they're, they're in the car, and they're playing race car, right, <laughs> inside of the car. Now, understand, um, before you accuse me of being a bad parent, that God took this awful moment and de- turned it into a great sermon illustration, so I guess I'm forgiven in that, right? But, uh, so they're playing race car in, in the car, and Isaiah, five years old, is in the driver's seat, and he's sitting on the edge of the car, I mean, as low as he could possibly get. He's got one hand on the steering wheel, one hand on the shifter. With the other foot, he's trying so hard to stretch and reach for the gas and just trying to trying to drive the, the race car, but he couldn't, he couldn't really reach anything. And then, of course, Luca, who's three years old, is sitting in the passenger seat. As he always, It's very symbolic of just his role in, in the family. He just sits there and goes along wherever Isaiah takes him. And so he's sitting there, and they're, they're playing a uh, race car. And, and Isaiah is working very hard at getting the car to go, but guess what? He's not going anywhere, right? Because he's missing one major component, and that is dad and dad's keys, right? He, he needs dad and, and the keys to, to get it to go. And so he could try and he could try and he could try. But until I show up and turn the key, fortunately, he's not going anywhere. The wheel is locked. The shifter's not moving. It's not like the old, old cars. It's not moving anywhere unless the, the, the key is turned. And if I were to turn the key, it unlocks the wheel. It unlocks the shifter. It ignites the, the engine. But unless that happens, they're not going anywhere. And listen, you are not going anywhere in your faith apart from God the Father. You're not going anywhere in your faith apart from God uh, the, the Father. And when you do, it's also because of Him. Right? So as we, as we close here, I, I want us to really just kind of latch on uh, to, to what's happening here, what's being said here. And that is that for us as Christians, understand that God has unlocked in you the, the potential to will and to work for His pleasure. Some of us as Christians have desires and, 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 and then we don't follow it through with the work, right? We have the desire the, to, to, to live for God, to, 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 to let go, to repent of certain sins. We have that. It's there. But we don't take the next step to work. And God has enabled us in the power of his spirit to do that uh, as well. And, and, and so we need to really understand that he's unlocked that potential in us. He's, he's turned uh, the key. And you can progress in your faith, uh, not to your own credit, but to his credit. But he's enabled you to work hand in hand with him. You can. Um, and he has given us that ability. So the call for us as Christians is to really begin to start to work it out, to start to make some, some spiritual progress in tandem with God, moving forward in, in faith. But so many of us are just sitting in the driveway with the engine running, and we're going nowhere in our faith. And God calls us to move forward in holiness. And next week, in the, in the next few verses, we're going to see what exactly does that, that look like? How do we move forward in holiness. So that's, that's important for us as Christians to really sit in uh, this truth uh, tonight. Now, for those who are perhaps a non-Christian, um, I want you to understand that your deeds, your, your good work is like you're sitting there and you're pushing the pedal and you're turning the wheel and you're shifting the, the, the shifter. Uh, 
you're trying to go somewhere and you're not going anywhere. Your efforts are fruitless, eternally apart uh, from Christ. You might even think that you are, are performing, uh, but without Jesus, you are going nowhere uh, spiritually. Without Jesus, you're, you're leaving God out of the equation and it's self-sufficiency. It's exactly the opposite of what we just saw last week. Um, in, in the earlier part of, of chapter 2. Understand that Jesus, John 14, 6, says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, right? Uh, earlier in chapter uh, 1, verse 6, uh, it says that, that God began a good work in you. And so for, for, for some of us, maybe, maybe we're leaving Jesus out of the equation and he hasn't began that good work in you. And you need to call out to God and say, God, please start that work in me. I don't want to just continue to try to live a good life and try to continue to, to live in accordance with the Bible apart from the most important piece of the Bible, and that is trusting in Jesus and having God ignite that faith in your heart. And so call out to him. And, and so I want to leave us with that such, such a powerful uh, truth from Scripture that, that God began the good work in you, and he continues uh, his work in you throughout the rest of your life. He helps you to pursue faithfulness and to live a life of faithfulness because you trust in him and, and, and you allow him to, to ignite in your heart the will and enable you to do the work. And so I want to close this in prayer and uh, then we're going to continue on in worship in a, in a few different ways. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for uh, the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you um, that, that you have really shown us that, that it, you're not just the means to the end. We don't just trust you and then get eternity and that's it. But you're, you're the means through the end. That you give us the desires. That's also a gift from you. You enable us to, to, to live out those, those good works. That's also a gift from you. And so God, I pray that, that now that you have, have, have ignited that in us, Lord, may we uh, just be able to, to cooperate with what you're doing in our hearts. That we might be faithful and holy. Lord, may we be marked by that as the, the rest of the passage will say that we will be able to live as, as, as lights, that we will be blameless. Lord, that we wouldn't just sit in the driveway with all the potential to move forward in faith but not going anywhere. And so, Father, if that's any of us in this room tonight, would you make it clear to us? Lord, show us how we can move forward in, in progress in the power of your Spirit. And God, I pray for anyone who, who, who's not a follower of Jesus. Lord, may you begin the good work in them. And maybe for them, they've began a good work in them. But yet eternally it's fruitless. Make that clear to them. Stir their hearts. God, I just uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time. We turn it all to you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.